passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. everyone and welcome to another episode of Cruel Summer, our look back at each and every G1 Climax Tournament Finals from the year 1991 to the year 2018 and this is episode 23 so we're going to be covering the year 2013 Tetsuya Naito versus uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and joining me on this week's episode as the co-host is uh, someone I'm very excited to have on the show. Uh, he's one of the uh, co-hosts of the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. He's also one of the founders of the VoicesOfWrestling.com website. Uh, and he's also one of the inspirations for this particular show. He, he did an awesome uh, series called Kings of the Tokyo Dome with Andrew Rich over at VoicesOfWrestling.com, of course. And his name is Rich Kreich. Rich, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this. I've been uh, been listening to the episodes that have been coming out, so I was kind of excited to know that like soon I was going to be on here. So no, I'm, I'm I'm really happy to do this. So for those people who may or may not be familiar with Voices of Wrestling, maybe give us a bit of a background on your fandom as a wrestling fan, as a Japanese wrestling fan, and and how Voices of Wrestling uh, got started. Yeah. So initially, when it got started, and I was, it's kind of a fun story. Is is you know, I'd been watching wrestling for for decades at this point, but had started to kind of fall a little bit out of favor by about 2010, 11. Like I just wasn't really quite feeling it. And then the <laughs> the CM Punk pipe bomb thing kind of got me like reinvigorated a little bit. I was like, all right, this thing's actually pretty cool. And uh, and I went to Money in the Bank 2011. Me and me and a buddy went. And when that show was over, I was so hyped up and so in on, like, wrestling. I was like, yes, wrestling is actually the greatest thing. I do love wrestling. Because I kind of wavered a little bit of, like, ah, do I really like this thing all that much? Is it really that cool? Like, you know, something like Because I, I devoted a lot of my life to, to, to watching, consuming pro wrestling and talking about pro wrestling and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so after that show, I was so hyped up that I got home. I got to my apartment. I tried to sleep. And I said, I can't sleep. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a, a wrestling website. <laughs> I just out of nowhere I did it. And, and that's the day that, you know, I basically... Uh, registered like a blog name and, and, you know, I got the domain a few weeks after that. And I basically just started kind of working on the site from there, like doing some basic columns and, you know, little stuff here and there. It wasn't really not, not much was really happening. The the initial idea of the website was supposed to be that I was going to interview other wrestling fans of why they loved wrestling. Cause at that moment I was like, I love wrestling. Why do other people like wrestling? Like I was just in an audience of people who liked wrestling that didn't quite take off all that much, but what did end up happening is, uh, Joe Lanza, who I had been talking to for years on on various like video like sports video game message boards, like Madden Mania, Virtual Sports Network were the name of the two ones that we were really on. And him and I had been talking wrestling for years on the on the message board. And I just kind of let him know, hey, I have this website. I'm not really doing anything with it. And he was like, well, why don't we do sh- like radio shows or whatever? I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever, fine, we'll do it. And and that kind of went from there. And and the Japanese fandom kind of came from that. So now I was like, I was aware of of wrestling in Japan. I'd seen some matches here and there, but I really wasn't hardcore. I really wasn't following it. I really wasn't covering it all. 
that much until Joe kept like banging down my door. And he, the match he kept bringing up was uh, the Wrestle Kingdom match between Suzuki and Tanahashi. Like, you have to watch this. Watch this match. What? I promise you'll like it. And I promise you'll start liking Japanese wrestling. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll watch it one time. So I watched it, and it was—it's obviously great. Like you've talked about on this series, it's an incredible match. And from that point forward, I was like, "Oh, this is actually awesome!" And then I pretty much have been obsessed with <laughs> with watching, you know, Japanese wrestling from that point uh, forward. But that's really my big like entry point. Like, yeah, I'd seen stuff before, I'd seen little matches here and there, but never really quite like, "Oh, all right, I'm I'm in now." And from that match forward, I was. And then uh, it got really ramped up with Okada uh, defeating Tanahashi too to win the uh, the, the title because I felt like and 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 Joe kind of said the same thing too. He's like, "Oh wow, you're watching like a, a point in history. Like if you start picking it up right now and really following it, you're gonna be good to go because you have seen like the turning point in a company and the turning point in a guy's career." So it was kind of cool to pick it up at that point too. But yeah, pretty much from yeah le- uh, like late eleven or eleven to, to twelve, I've been pretty much watching it consistently. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like you talk about uh, Okada's win and like the rise of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Really, like its re- renaissance really starts with him defeating Tanahashi and and going on to you know winning the G One himself and and just having all these Wrestle Kingdom main events and really establishing himself as a you know the premier wrestler or one of them at least in pro res in Japan in the last like oh I'd say ten years or so. Um, and I, and I as I'm a devoted listener to the flagship, and so like you you and Joe Lanza always bring up this idea that you know voices of wrestling it's kind of surge in popularity it coincides with the rise of okada yeah oh for sure because we we you know when joe and i initially started doing the show we were mostly interview based we were mostly just kind of you know talking to other wrestlers talking to promoters that sort of stuff which was really fun i enjoyed doing those but they kind of nobody was really listening or cared you know so a few people would you know if we we interviewed like a booker t or whatever and that did well like they had a lot of listeners but it was like all right i mean it wasn't like it wasn't what we really felt like we wanted to do and then there was one time where we couldn't book any interviews and we decided hey let's just talk let's just talk about wrestling for you know a few hours and and we did and that was actually our most popular episode ever we're like oh okay people actually just want to hear us talk about wrestling and and what we ended up kind of finding out is that like we're looking at the space at this time this is too late you know too late 2011 early 2012 no one's really talking about japanese wrestling on a big level you have the you know the adam and mike big audio nightmare on on uh, wrestlingobserver.com you have a little bit of your guys your guys i think you were doing japanese audio wrestling at that time too is is that correct uh, I think or did yeah, you guys started, come up later? I forget when you guys exactly started. We started around 2011, like after I moved to Japan, and then I quickly met. Uh, I was doing some stuff with John, but then you know Chris Charlton came on board, mm-hmm. and that kind of just took off from there. The actual Japanese audio wrestling coincided with me hooking up with Chris. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that was the same thing where we were looking around, like, yeah, there's there's a few shows that are doing it really, really well, but like we're like, hey, this uh, is still an under tap, you know, underrepresented market here because every other podcast is just talking about the the newest WWE thing, you know, that newest WWE pay per view. So we decided, hey, let's just strap in and see what happens. Let's just go and, and talk about New Japan, and hey, if nobody really cares, whatever. This we care because we like it and it's fun. And then like little by little, as we started seeing that company grow, and as we started seeing the Okada Tanahashi feud grow, we kept growing and we kind of grew with it and 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 kept talking about it as it was going on so so it is it like exactly coincided because right basically okada hits that rainmaker and we're like hey you know what screw it let's talk <laughs> let's talk to japan and see what happens and and it, it just grew from there and then started what, talking about a little bit more uh of dragon gate and other kind of promotions and stuff like that and it's 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 really helped the the, the explosion of of popularity of of japanese wrestling in the west and and with western audiences has definitely 
been a big part of our site growing as well. And I don't, I don't want to say that we're the credit for it. I think we just kind of came along with it as well. But maybe we are. Maybe Joe would probably take credit for it. I'm just going to say we coincided. But Joe is going to say we indeed made pop, uh, wrestling popular and Japanese wrestling popular in the West. But I will not say that. But. One thing I really admire about the the website is that you you actually are a group of voices of wrestling. It's not just you and Joe. It's, it's you know you have Andrew Rich, you have you know Damon and, and Joel over at the Super J Cast. You have John Carroll over at Wrestling Omakaze. You have you know Iron Mike Spears doing the the gate uh, voice. Uh, what is it? Gate of Gate of. Oh, they open the voice gate. Open the voice open gate, the voice yeah. gate show about Dragon Gate. It, it is actually you you provide a huge amount of like coverage of Japanese wrestling along with you know independent wrestling in in, in America and, and and I think you do you guys also do shows about the UK. It's it's amazing. I I do feel like you know I'm a, of course I'm very loyal to post wrestling, but like for me my estimation like I think you and Joe and everyone else associated with Voice of Wrestling have provide probably the most comprehensive coverage of wrestling in the world. Thank you. Jeez, that's, that's that says a lot. I, it's it's tough. I mean, I won't lie. It, it it is pretty difficult, but you know, one thing that's always been interesting about the website since we begun. I mean, it's like it's like a hobby website. Like Joe, Joe and I both still have full time jobs. It's not like we you know quit our jobs and and we're doing that full time. Like it'd be great. I'd ideally like that, but there's you know we're we're not in that position to do it yet. Um, but it's always been just kind of a hobby website, and that's been what's kind of cool is that we've found people that are really excited about certain areas of pro wrestling. And when Joe and I know that, hey, look, you know, there's better people to talk about DDT. There's better people to talk about Joshi. There's better people to talk about Lucha, not us. And and that's always been kind of a fun thing to do is like find people that really are passionate about a certain part of pro wrestling, a certain region of pro wrestling, a certain promotion, whatever. And, and just say, hey, you know, if you want to do a podcast, if you want to do reviews, if you want to do columns, like, that's cool. I don't care. <laughs> like, that's it's kind of been the thing because I always get like emails of people like, oh, I want to I want to write about this or I want to write about this. I'm like, sure. Yeah, whatever, dude. Write about whatever you want. Like, I don't I don't care as long as uh, the one thing I always say when people kind of come for hey can i do a podcast or hey can i write a column or hey can i do whatever i said hey if you're passionate about whatever you're writing about i don't care i just don't want to tell you what you should be writing or or podcasting about like don't come to me and say hey uh what do you want me to write about no like what do you want to write about what do you want because that's that's kind of the fun of the site is it's just like to me i i I never think of it as like we're doing you know see like a pro wrestling coverage and and i guess we are but i've always thought of it as just like people writing about what they love about pro wrestling or, or what they're passionate about of pro wrestling, but good or bad. I mean, passion comes in both forms, obviously, you know, good stuff, you know, we'll get praised, but bad stuff will be, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, reacted to negatively, but that's always what I've thought that, that we've kind of excelled in is just letting people be passionate about the, the region or, or the promotion or whatever that they're passionate about. And, and that's always been kind of fun, but uh, those are kind words, man. I really do appreciate it. That's a lot of hard work goes into it, so it's nice to hear that sometimes. So. And before we get into the actual uh, episode that we're going to talk about, the, the topic we're going to talk about, Tanahashi versus Naito, I do want to say, I, I mentioned this on the first episode of Curl Summer with John Pollock, that uh, there's several inspirations for this show. One is, of course, uh, Eggshells by Chris Charlton, like the kind of format and the, the kind of the, the idea of it. But I was a big fan of like kind of the focus that you and Andrew Rich did over at Kings of the Tokyo Dome, where you just talk about one match, the final, the, the main event of the Tokyo Dome show uh, every, every January 4th. Tell us a bit about that idea and that show a little before we get into uh, Naito versus Tanahashi. Yeah, so we, we decided to do that on our Patreon side. It's uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. And we decided uh, around November, I want to say, is I think when we kicked it off. And I was just kind of thinking, I'm like, man, like the Tokyo Dome. And, 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 and similar to what you guys do here is that I really don't think that a lot of people cover the archives of New Japan World as much as they probably should. I mean, there's a huge archive 
of, of great matches out there. <laughs> great stuff. But, you know, everybody goes back and reviews, like, you know, 1997 Raws and, like, 1998 Nitros. It's like the same, you know, everyone does kind of the same thing. And it's like, you know, there's a Trevor show of, like, great stuff out there <laughs> on, on, you know, New Japan World. So that was the idea. It's like, hey, look, we're, we're about to get to the Wrestle Kingdom uh, this year. Why not go back and look at some of the old Wrestle Kingdoms? And, and the initial idea was to go and watch Wrestle Kingdoms. And I'm thinking, man, do I really have the time to be sitting down and watching three, four-hour Wrestle Kingdom shows? As much I would love to. There's good stuff up and down the cards. But I thought, and, and, and similar to how you're doing here, is it's like the central focus of just one match makes it a little bit more fun as well. Because to me, it's easy in the first place. You only have to sit down for, you know, in the early days. You know, you don't have to sit down for 20 minutes. These days, you know, as the, as the Cruel Summer, you know, gets a little bit bigger. And we discovered that with the Wrestle Kingdoms. You start getting into 40 minutes and stuff like that. But that's a lot easier than sitting down for three hours and four hours and do this arduous task of watching every single show and, and trying to have takes on every single match. And it's like, well, no, the main events always have something that you can write about. And you can talk about what's going on in the undercard a little bit, but the main events are going to be what really sort of, it's the capstone. It it is the main event. So it really does kind of tell the entire story of the show. So, a, it was easier because it took less time to watch it. But then B, I thought it was cool to have that little more of a central focus. And you'd be able to get a little bit more passionate about it. And and you're able to kind of have more condensed episodes because, man, trying to cover, you know, a three or four hour show, uh, you know, in review form, it just takes a while. It, it, it really would. So uh, I just thought that was kind of the idea. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see, uh, you know, you kind of following the same format because I love the idea of just kind of focusing, you know, on the main events because I think that really does tell, like I said, tells the story of the show and, and, and in a lot of ways tell the story of the year as well. So that was kind of the inspiration for it. And yeah, we, we got through, we didn't get all the way to 2018. We wanted to, but it ended up like, Oh crap, these matches are now like 40, 50 minutes. Uh, it was right around like, you know, Christmas time. And we were doing the new Japan ebook as well. I don't know why we did all this. It was really a terrible idea, but, um, we got pretty close. I think we got to the mid 2010s and then decided, okay, we have to, we have to break it off. So we're, I think we're going to pick it back up in, in, in November and try to get uh, up, up to the current year as well. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, in that same vein, at voicewrestling.com slash Patreon right now, I'm going through SummerSlam main events and, and watching those in a similar style where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm covering just the just the main event, which has some good and bad. Like I have to watch, you know, the Undertaker versus Undertaker and talk about that match. But you know, I thought that was again kind of the better idea of of versus watching entire SummerSlam shows is focusing a little bit more on just the main event and 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 kind of honing in on that. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of the title of that of that show, The Boys of Summer. It's like a <laughs> Don Henley song from the '80s. Yeah, so I use the Atari's song in the, in the intro, which I thought people would get more mad at because I was like, I grew up with that one. So I always thought of that song, and it wasn't until I was like trying to put the music bed together for that show that I realized that there was actually another version of that song. I never knew it was a cover. I just knew it was the Atari's one, so I'm showing my, my age there a little bit. So I'm showing my age by saying the Don Henley version. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. All right, so let's get into the 2013 uh, G1 Climax. Let's, let's give a bit, bit of a background on the tournament itself. So it was a two-block, 20-man round-robin tournament held from August 1st to 11. Uh, this was the first time in the tournament's history that all the G1 shows, all nine of them, which is amazing to say in 2019, there's only nine G1 shows as opposed to now, which is like, I don't yeah, know. It was insanity, by the way, for people that weren't alive during this or alive. Sorry, we're watching. Hopefully most people listening to this were alive during this time, but maybe they're not. Maybe you're, you're good with the young viewers. But um, this was insanity. Like you every day, there was like four match the year contenders. It was ridiculous. Like this was the tournament that was just I remember because and this is fun too, kind of because I was covering this in real time. And it's like, the you know, you're starting to kind of 
and I know you're kind of getting into this too, as the series is going on, like this is stuff that you've watched in real time, you covered in real time. And it's like, first off, it makes you feel old because you're like, oh, geez, this is a long time ago, 2013, man, this is a while. But it's cool because like, I, as I was watching this and doing research for this, the memories of coming back and watching this were, were, were fresh in my mind. And I remember certain nights of this, this particular year were just insanity. Like, I cannot believe how many good matches were on one night. And we, and we knew at this time too, I remember us covering it. There's no way they're gonna be able to sustain doing this like in in just like a week's time or whatever nine days or nine shows or whatever they're gonna have to break this up because they can't just have five great matches on every single night they did it for a few more years and then obviously stretched the, the it out to what we have today which is fine i like what we have today but this was just absolute chaos these days yeah and it was the first time like they, they would all be broadcast on iPay-per-view via nico nico in japan and then Ustream across the world and i, I gotta say like for me, I was just like, wow, all this stuff is going to be made available to English speaking fans. I, I'm, a, I'm from a generation, you know, like tape trading. Like, and I, when I say tape trading, I mean VHS tapes. I'm then talking about like DVD trading of like waiting weeks on end. Okay, don't, don't read the spoilers, which was impossible for me. Like, I'd see them on the DVDR message board or the Wrestling Observer message board. All the, this is what happened in the G1 finals. This, this, this person won. This is a five star match. This is a four and a half star match. Oh, I want to see it so bad, but I already know the results. So, I, I'm used to spoilers for the G1 Climax, but it's so nice to be able to watch it live, and especially now that we have New Japan World available to us. Um, but I got to say, like, you know, I, I think this was the year that set up the seeds of what would eventually become New Japan World, like the success of providing these on live pay-per-view to like all the fans, not just in Japan, but across the world. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, as you said, the days of, uh, of Nico Nico and Ustream. And, and I remember the Ustream days were awesome because Ustream was a really good service. And it was a little, it was a little rough around the edges at times. But like the, I remember the first time I kind of logged in and, and, and started watching these shows and it was like, holy crap, like here they are. And they're just like here and they're in like pretty good format. Like I didn't have to go to some sketchy torrent site to download them. I didn't have to, you know, wait for some weird link or something like that. Like it was just, it was just here for you. And it's like, yeah, you can pay us and watch these shows. And I was like, all right, let's go. And, and I remember covering, and, and this is, as you said, I don't think New Japan World exists without this 2013 show, or 2013 G1 Climax being as good as it was, too. Because this was kind of the debut to everybody on Ustream and the debut of everybody, you know, on Nico Nico. And then, like, it rocked, too. It was a really good G1 Climax, really good stories told throughout. You know, the rise of Naito, Tanahashi being Tanahashi Shibata, having his real coming out party in a lot of ways. Um, Minoru Suzuki, you know, th this was the year of Minoru Suzuki gifts everywhere because it was like the most gifable man in, in, in pro wrestling history was really kind of out there for everybody. And, and like you said, it it did, like, now everybody was was watching the same thing at the same time. And I think that really changed the game a lot of ways for New Japan is because, you know, you're talking early days of Twitter here, early days of, you, you know, you still have message boards and stuff like that. But being able to watch it real time with people and everybody being together as opposed to, you know, like you said, you're watching a DVD three weeks later. So you want to talk to somebody about it, the G1 final three weeks later. Well, maybe they saw it the day of because they live in Japan or this guy saw it, you know, two weeks before because his DVD guy was queer. Like there was no way to really get that sort of everybody in together type feel with it because everybody was watching it at different times or different formats or different ways. This now everybody sat down at the same time and watched them and they had replays or whatever, but it felt like everybody was watching either the day, you know, while it was live or the day after. And that felt like the first time, like, New Japan became communal on the internet, at least that I could feel it. So it was like, oh man, they, they got something going here. And then, yeah, like I said, it was just such a kick-ass tournament too, that it made it that much better. Let's talk about the participants of the uh, 2013 G1 Climax. In A Block, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi. We have Katsuyori Shibata, who's kind of making his re-debut. This is his first G1 since returning to the company in 2012. His last appearance was in 2004. We have Davey Boy Smith Jr., who is making his G1 debut. 
Prince Devitt, Togi Makabe, Kazuchika Okada, Lance Archer, uh, Hiroki Goto, who, sh- who we should note had to forfeit three of his matches due to a mm-hmm. jaw injury, uh, Satoshi Kojima, and Tomohiro Ishii, who made his G1 debut in 2013, which is wild to me because like, I always feel like Tomohiro Ishii is synonymous with the G1 these days. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this is, you know, he, he is, he has made this his tournament and, 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 you know, it, it is, and I remember this one too. This is the first real big exposure I had to him because if you're just watching New Japan before this, he's kind of just like on undercards and doing pretty cool stuff and maybe he's winning some, some titles. But this was like, to me, like the real coming out party for him as well. I mentioned Shibata was the first guy that like, the, this was, as you said, the first time he's back in G1 uh, in many years, or first time back in New Japan in many years, I felt like him and Ishii, when I remember back, you know, at, at this G1, like, this was like the, oh my god, these guys rule, like, these guys are awesome, and, and he was, he was real good in this, even though he only had six points, but it was fine, like, it didn't matter, it was, it was, you really saw what he was capable of, and, and, and yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch Ishii throughout this uh, G1. I think that's the, that's the tournament where he had the main event with uh, Tanahashi and Korokin, right? That, that yes, won. yeah, right, that was like the, oh my god, this guy's arrived, like, here we go, give him the world title, like, he's the best, yeah, so. To me, I I thought wow tanahashi must trust this guy because i think he won with the steiner screwdriver oh my god I, yeah i think you're right yeah i don't know if i would take the steiner screwdriver from anybody but mostly scott steiner but uh yeah no i remember that that was an awesome awesome match an awesome moment too i to me is like the epitome of like what a great quirk and g1 like made event should be is i always measure it against tanahashi versus ishii from 2013 i'm gonna have to go back and watch that it's been a while since i see yeah that, I, I, mean, I, I know now, it rules so now, now that i'm talking about it it's like yeah i'm gonna have to watch that again myself uh let's move on to b block so in b block we have of course uh tetsuya naito minoru suzuki carl anderson shelton benjamin shinsuke nakamura yuji nagata kota ibushi making his g1 debut this year uh toriyano yujiro takahashi and Hiroyoshi Tenzan, who also had to forfeit three of his matches due to a rib injury. Uh, really, blo- uh, like, stacked blocks here. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is... And like we said, you know, you're, you're, you're watching this on a completely different format, too. August 1st through August 11th. So you have 10 days where this is all going on. Nine shows with all of these guys, like, on a nightly basis. And I remember that B-Block, I mean, they just had, like, some bangers of shows with, like... Because Yuji Nagata was still, obviously, at... at you know, not... You know, I, I still like Yuji Nagata. I'll, I'll defend Yuji Nagata for a bit. But I get that, like, you know, some people these last few years haven't been really... But he was still great at this time. Kotobushi's Kotobushi. You know what he is. Naito's sort of seeing his rise a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, like I said, Minoru Suzuki, and 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 you might there's some names in there that you might be like, oh geez, that guy. But like Carl Anderson was really good at this time. Like 2013 was was you know he was incredible, and and you know the prior year he had made it all the way to the finals of the G1, and he was a great G1 competitor. Like he went out there and, and had some kick-ass matches. And then Shelton X Benjamin, we forgot to mention the X in there, because <laughs> that's what they actually called him, is Shelton X Benjamin, because he was an X, he was like the replacement, or he was this mystery guy on a match the one time, so they always called him Shelton X Benjamin, which was just very bizarre. But like he was pretty good in this g1 as well and yeah they were some stack blocks and then oh yeah there's like nakamura in there too you know it's just like it was it was an embarrassment of riches at this time too in terms of what you know new japan could offer in this format of these nine shows and you know 10 days or whatever it's just absolute you know absolute madness yeah let's look at each man's path tanahashi and naito's pass to the uh, finals respectively tanahashi is able to beat lance archer hiroki goto togi makabe katsuyori shibata and david boy smith jr he loses to uh prince devitt uh, Tomohiro Ishii and uh, Satoshi Kojima, and he drew with Okada, uh, 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 you know, kind of a trend with <laughs> Okada and Tanahashi. <Yeah. laughs> we have that here. Uh, Naito's path, he beats Carl Anderson, Shelton X Benjamin. I always felt that maybe it's an homage to Malcolm X. 
Oh, I never thought of that. Maybe <laughs> that's kind of now it makes it less fun, I guess, because or maybe more fun. I don't know. Yeah, I was I was never quite sure, but uh, he was good at this time. Like people are probably being like, "Oh, Shelton Benjamin," but I'm trying to go back and watch some of these matches. He was pretty damn good. He was. He was pretty good. Uh, continue on. Yuji Nagata lost to Naito. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura was defeated by him, and as well as Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Naito loses to uh, Kota Ibushi. Uh, Yujiro Takahashi, his former tag team partner in No Limit. I think they were doing like a storyline at this point where Yujiro is kind of like, you know, cock blocking him to get the title to win the G1 becoming a. Right, right. Which seems hard to believe that like there was a point where like Yujiro and Naito were like on somewhat equal paths. Like this this would be the end of that. Like this entire tournament would be where Naito kind of went in that direction and Yujiro kind of went in the opposite direction. But there was a time, yeah, like in before this G1, it was like all about like the build you know, between these two guys and the breakup and all that sort of stuff. Cause you know, Naito had been hurt. And, and I think, you know, we'll probably touch on that here in a little bit, but you know, he's returning from injury here and uh, you know, we'll talk about a little bit about the, you know, the, the pros and the cons of this too, because there was, there was a lot of criticism of how over pushed he was at this time, which seems hard to believe given you know, how people react uh, to Naito, you know, uh, pushes these days. But yeah, there was, there was some backlash in terms of him maybe being over pushed a little bit coming back from injury on uh, him trying to kind of shake the cobwebs uh, of, of the injury too. But yeah, it's, it's hard to believe that Yujiro and Naito were, were once like, pretty pretty equals and and now obviously in 2019 uh it's it's unfathomable that they were you know that close to each other and uh rounding out rounding out Naito's losses we have a, a loss to Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Toro Yano I, I wonder if if there was a, a t-shirt involved in this loss in 2019 <laughs> you're right I'm sure there was I don't I don't know was Yano on like full-on Yano at this time or was he kind of still I don't even remember really. I know I, he was still doing comedy, but like I don't know if it was like what do we have these days. But. I'm pretty sure like when he joined Chaos, when Chaos was formed, that's when comedy Yano pretty much like kind of disintegrated like any semblance of remnants of like amateur wrestler Yano. That kind of disappeared with like Chaos. He's like, hey, look at I'm in the same group as Okada, Nakamura, and all these other dudes. Ah, oh, do I have to be a Good wrestler? No, I just be the comedy dude. Right. Well, which makes sense. Be the best comedy guy in the in the unit versus like the fifth best wrestler in the unit. Like I, I get it. That's a smart idea. It's you know good marketing by him. You know, I have this theory. People like constantly say like, why why is this guy still in the G one? Why is this guy still like a prominent member of the roster? Listen, he owns that bar in Sudabashi, which is where you know Cork and Hall and Tokyo Dome are. Uh, I bet you Jado and Ghetto have run up a huge tab. And he just holds <laughs> That's where they the probably heads. do all the booking, right? That's where they sip on their whiskey and do all the booking, I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And it's a, it's always good. It's a good night off for guys too, and that's what we always kind of say. Because I'm not like a big fan of Yano in the G1. I get kind of annoyed of it, but it's like a necessary evil because like some guys need a night off. Like a Kotobushi sometimes needs to go in there for five minutes and get rolled up by Yano and pinned so he can you know get an ice pack and just chill out. Because not every night can just be absolute like destruction matches you know of matches where you go balls to the wall so it's a nice buffer for some guys to get a night off and 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 play around with yano and get you know turnbuckles thrown at them or whatnot so but the bar tab that's a great idea too i didn't think of that (laughs) i'm I'm definitely sure like they just order a ton of alcohol plus like french fries or or uh fried shrimp and like yano just like says hey Uh, he probably just shows them the tab and say, hey, you know, I'm in the G1 again this year, right? 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 Like, ah, like, all right. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been there? I know that, like, uh, I, I thought I knew that people said they, like, try to go, and it's always, like, closed, or he never lets people in or something. I've like tried that. once to go with with Chris Charlton, and so we get, we go in the elevator up to, I think it's What's on the... What's a VIP? How'd you not get in? <laughs> we, we weren't... He wasn't anybody then, neither... And I, I'm still <laughs> nobody now, so, like, here's the thing. He was there, 
And, but he didn't. T- he didn't even like. He just saw two foreign. Well, he saw one foreigner and, and some Asian dude with the one foreigner dude, and he probably thought, "Oh, I don't want them in." I, they were closed too. They weren't actually open. It is a very tough place to get in. I think you need to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to get be able to get into Yano's bar. Damn. I, I think it, it has to do a lot to do with like a lot of wrestlers do go there and they don't want to be bothered by like the fans. Yeah, I can't blame them for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what, what would happen. Like, you know, they're trying to enjoy a night out like in this space. That I feel they probably think it's theirs. And then they're being bothered by all the like, you know, autograph seekers, whether they're foreign fans or, or Japanese fans. I, I think they pretty much like say it's invitation only to that place. I do know of people who have gone there, uh, like, but they know somebody. So that's that's the thing about uh, Yano's Bar, which I forget the name of, Eberitis or some, something like that. Yeah, I think that's right. It's, I, I'm trying to do a, a look up here. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, Eberitis seems like the right one that I'm finding here. So, Well, let, let me tell you something, Rich. If you ever come to Japan to, to watch wrestling at, in, in the Tokyo Dome or, or at Sumo Hall or, or at Budokan or at Korokan Hall, uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll take you, I'll take you to some nice places in Japan around the Tokyo area that that don't need vip invitation okay that's good thank you yes uh, even though you are a vip now don't 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 you don't discredit yourself but uh no that 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 sounds good one of these days i will it, it, it's not this year but one of these days I'll, I'll make it over there i promise so i have to make a note before we get to the actual match itself this is this year is the first time i ever attended the the finals of the g1 climax in sumo hall oh, wow this is actually the i attended the, the last two nights of of, uh, of the G1 Climax, so August 10th and August 11th, which marks my uh, my hate my hate relationship with Suba Hall in the month of August because I was not prepared for for how hot this building could become. Um, I, I went with Chris Charlton. We sat up in the upper levels. Uh, the first night, the, the 10th, was okay to an extent because we weren't that high up. But the, the last night, the 11th, we were like nearly touching the ceiling. And, you know, heat rises. And my God, <laughs> there was a lot of fucking heat in that building. I, it's not, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating when I say I feel like I almost died from dehydration in that building. <laughs> that sounds, yeah. That sounds, given that like right now the temperature where I'm at is like, you know, 97 degrees with 100% humidity like it's uh <laughs> I don't I like warm weather but not like not in an arena or or, or yeah that sort of level so that sounds that sounds pretty terrible I won't lie that uh, even though you saw a great match and a great moment yeah I don't uh maybe watching at Yano's bar would have been a better idea <laughs> well we'll consider that it's not necessarily the, the, the heat and humidity from the outside it's the the heat from all the people that are in this yeah building. oh yeah yeah that, and that's it looks like an awesome arena to go to but maybe uh Maybe in the winter time. Yes, a better, I, I'm a big fan of Sumo Hall in in the in the in the like the the colder fall months and in the winter it's perfectly fine. Then spring and summer you're you're really taking your chances. I feel, but well, let's get into the actual match. So uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. We start New Japan World, and out first is uh, Tetsuya Naito coming out to his theme song Stardust. And at this point, he's still in his Stardust Genius character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not. Uh, Tranquilo Naito, he's not a member of Los Ingobernables de Japón. He's got wings. He's got wings everywhere. He's got wings. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I fucking hated Naito at this point. At this point in his career, just because like I didn't get his character. I, I I hated his look. I hated all the wings. I hated his haircut. Like there was like you know, Chris was a big fan of Naito. I think at this point, so he'd be like, oh, why, "Why don't you like Naito?" I go look at him. Like he's just terrible. Now I like Naito now because I think. 
the greatest thing that ever happened to him was to go to Mexico, hook up with oh, yeah, uh, La Sombra, of course, uh, Andre, uh, Andrade and, and Roosh back in back in uh, 2000. And well, I guess it's 14 that he did that, I suppose, in Mexico. Uh, but what, what were your feelings about Naito at this point in his career? No, I'm, I was right with you. And, and, and like I was saying, I was going back and reading some of our reviews at this time. That's what's kind of cool is, is that, you know, covering in this real time, you can go back and, and read reviews. And, and people might not believe this, but there was a time where, like, you know, as I said, Naito was coming back from injury. He had got hurt in late 2012, I want to say. Uh, and came back May 2013. And they basically put the rocket on him. Like, he started, you know, he, he put, you know, Yujiro in the rear view, you know, went through the G1, was getting, obviously, it, was, it, it felt like during, as the G1 was kind of progressing, that he was going to probably make it to the finals and, and, and maybe win the whole thing as well. And the idea was like, geez, he feels like he's really, like, kind of overpushed. Like, he's not quite ready. Like, his in-ring work, if you go back and watch some of these matches, too, were not that great. Like, he was still trying to kind of shake the cobwebs off a little bit. Every match was centered around, like, people attacking his knee. But at that time, he wasn't really that good at, like, like selling the knee, like in, in this match in particular, we'll talk about it a little bit too. Like he'd like grab onto his knee and be like, "Oh, my knee," and then like do you know a, a backflip or whatever, or do like you know running dropkick, and then like a minute later go, "Oh yeah, ow, my knee, my knee." Like, but that's kind of what the entire G one was is like. He was just kind of in this weird position where he was trying to kind of get his legs under him again. Everyone's kind of focusing on his knee. He's not that great at selling the knee, as you said. His hair kind of looks weird. He's wearing like wings, and he's supposed to be this wrestling genius, but he didn't feel like he was having great matches. And they keep telling you, "Oh, he's a genius. He's great." wrestling he's a genius he's, he's great at wrestling and it's like yeah but he's like having like not that great of matches and particularly in this g1 too when there was so many other great wrestlers out there there was so many other great matches happening that it just kind of felt like why is this guy getting the push like why why naito of all people but it was obvious that they believed in him they thought he was going to be a big deal they thought he would you know become the star that, that he'd eventually become but at this time there, there was some negative feedback and, and we'll talk about it again when when this match is over and, and sort of what happens around wrestle kingdom but like it, it's hard to believe that that he was this guy that that just yeah, there there was there was like a, a sort of a negative aspect to him because it felt like he was just being overpushed and overused right now when when there were so many other guys that seemed more ready and and, and more poised uh, to you know main event Wrestle Kingdom and win the G one, but Naito was the one they went with. Yeah, and uh, Tanahashi comes out second to his original theme song High Energy, and he's accompanied by your favorite wrestler in mine, Rich uh, Captain New Japan. Uh, I gotta say, I am a big fan of High Energy. I I prefer to. His current theme, Go Ace. What What are your feelings on the respective interest themes of uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi? Yeah, it, um, the first note I have in my notes is I've warmed up to Go Ace, but goddamn, nothing beats High Energy. Because I was like, you know, it came out and I was like, because I've learned to like in the last year, I've been like, you know what, we're stuck with Go Ace. I'm gonna start liking it, and I do. I like Go Ace now. When it first came out, I hated Go Ace. I thought it was the worst song ever, mostly because it wasn't High Energy. But I've learned to say, hey, Go Ace is okay. I fire up New Japan World watch this match, high energy plays, and I'm like, Go Ace sucks. Go Ace is garbage, <laughs> high energy forever. Like, with the second, it's just an unbelievable entrance song. It's like so, it just feels Tanahashi. It just feels like this guy is awesome. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's high energy. It gets you ready for a match. So, uh, yeah, I, as much as I, I've warmed up to Go Ace, it is, it is not in the same stratosphere as high energy. It, it, you know, to me, like, I, I'm like you. I'm, I'm, I've accepted Go Ace. But it'd be like if Misawa, you know, if, ever change from Spartan X to like some new theme song it just don't do it like there, there's like you know the the adage if it ain't broke don't fix it that's what I felt yeah, right, with, right. with this song but it is what it is you know so we, we have to move on uh both men get big reactions to their their introductions there's actually a big Nido call despite what we're saying about his uh, acceptance uh among the fans he's still a very popular wrestler just like yeah, not absolutely. Not to the point where like he could headline Wrestle Kingdom in their eyes, but we'll get to that later. Uh, we start the match. There's a lot of grappling to start 
at the beginning of this match, there's a, a big Naito call again. Clearly, the fans at this point are, are more behind Naito than they are Tanahashi. And I, I chalk that up to being kind of, you know, Tanahashi is is seen as like, it's hard, to, it's weird to say this, but stale in the eyes of the fans. Like, he's been on top for so long. I, and I think at this point that fans are ready to accept someone new in the mix of, of the main event scene in New Japan. Yeah, absolutely. You're looking at almost like what ten years of of him basically being in the mix in terms of you know being a top top guy and 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 yeah, it absolutely was that. And I I, I you know I think I'm I'm trying to remember correctly, but I think if in the sort of build up to this that he said if he didn't win you know the G1 and go to Wrestle Kingdom, he was never going to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship again. Just to kind of say, hey, look, I'm getting out of this. You know, hey, I'm going to let the young guys like. And obviously that happened. Harush Tanahashi after this match never ever got into the the title mix ever again. So as we all remember, you know, but but I, I think there was you could tell that there. Was was sort of that 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 you know fan not not necessarily pushback on Tanahashi but like you said they were ready for other people and I think that played into the match pretty early too because you know in a few minutes in you know Tanahashi kicks Naito's leg and gets that sort of the thing that he was great at around this era is you know the Tanahashi being a heel where Tanahashi would say you know what ah fuck it I'm gonna hit you in the leg or I'm gonna kind of be a cheap asshole and then try to beat you that way and it would get the crowd kind of pissed off because they're like oh that's not you and and he'd kind of be like "Ah, whatever (laughs) I'm I'm trying to win this match but he was so good at it and I think that's a great idea too to kind of flip that so Naito's the hot young guy the crowd the live crowd's into it and Tanahashi she feels like you said a little stale a little bit like he's the guy that's been here it i think people always root for the upset too and naito was the upset at this time as well so i think people wanted to be there and see that happen so credit to you know naito for obviously playing into that and credit to tanahashi as well for for realizing hey i'll just be the, the heel in this match and and sort of work your knee over and be you know a little cheap and 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 get and work with the crowd reaction a little bit as, as opposed to working against it tanahashi uh uh, kind of unleashes these punches to the breadbasket of Naito. Uh, Naito is able to reverse uh, with an arm drag and a beautiful dropkick from him. Uh, Naito takes control, working over Tanahashi's neck with chin locks, side headlocks, and scissoring Tanahashi's neck with his legs. So the, I guess the story is like Tanahashi's attacking the knee, and Naito is going after Tanahashi's neck to set up like his fin- a lot of his finishers center around the, the neck, Rich. I do, yeah, yeah, and at this time, you're, you're going to be a little, I was kind of uh, surprised as well when this match was going on, because I forgot that this is, you know, predestino, and it's like, we're trying to go for the Stardust Press, because I'm like, I'm like, man, what's he what's he doing? Why is he not, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he didn't have the Destino, like, I just, for whatever reason, now it's become so synonymous with Naito as that Destino, that I, I kind of forgot that, yeah, at this time, he was, you know, a little bit more of a high flyer, which seems hard to believe now, because Naito kind of stays a little more grounded these days, but yeah, it's all, it's all kind of building up to, yeah, some of the signature moves and building up to getting Tanahashi down for that Stardust Press. Yeah, Tanahashi is able to take control of the match by chop-locking Naito's troubled right knee, which is heavily bandaged in this match. Uh, and then from this point, like you were saying, Rich, he just assaults the knee with relentless kicks to the point where Naito can't walk or run the ropes, at, at this point in the match at least. Uh, uh, Tanahashi uh, drives repeated knees to Naito's uh, wounded wheel and follows up with a figure four leg lock, but uh, Naito is luckily able to get to the ropes and then uh, from there, like just Tanashi keeps, keeps kicking at the knee, kicking at the knee. He's a real asshole in this match, Rich. Oh, he absolutely is, and he's doing a little Mudo tribute too. Because anytime he can do a dragon screw, he's doing it. And it's just like, yeah, this is this is at this time. It was so good too to see Tanahashi be that heel where it wasn't even subtle. He was just like a total asshole. <laughs> it's just like, but he wanted to win. He's got. He's trying to go to Wrestle Kingdom, man. He's trying to beat you know win this G one and and go for that title. So yeah, he doesn't care what your bum knee is and and. You know, Naito, it's a bad idea. You tape up the bum knee. You're just asking people <laughs> to attack it. But and, and that's pretty much the entire G1 was people focusing on Naito's knee. And 
there was good and bad to it too. It was a, it was a good story because it kind of played into some real life issues. But Naito at this time, you could tell he's still trying to kind of figure out things. And and there's a point where you said like he you know he tries an Irish whip or, or Tanahashi tries an Irish whip. Uh, Naito Naito falls down and you're like oh geez his his knees ravaged. But then like three minutes later he's doing springboards a jumpy DDT and a drop kick you know in like a minute and you're like all right well that's that's one way to sell a knee I guess but you know and it was like and then occasionally he would like get down to the mat and kind of like like tap on it or hold it was what he would do and then he would just kind of go back to doing his stuff so he was trying to kind of figure out the uh the, the work right there at that point but hey still pretty good stuff yeah well Naito was able to fire uh, back out of the corner with a slap. To Tanahashi, but you know, Tanahashi, Tanahashi is, uh, you know, he's he's good at giving and receiving these slaps. So he just starts slapping the shit out of Naito with his with his own series of slaps. And I, I'm of the mindset that like with Tanahashi slaps, at some points they look really awesome. They look like Junakiyama, Minoru Suzuki level, but sometimes they look really weak as shit. What are your feelings about Tanahashi slaps, Rich? Ooh, I, you know, I've never I've never had to do a. I don't know if I've ever thought of it that much, but you're right. Like in this match in particular, there's like two where it's like super loud, but then when he starts getting into a sequence where he's just kind of like, they do kind of just kind of feel like love taps a little bit of just like, they're just sort of things to, and, and I guess that might play in a little bit. Again, I don't know if that's not actually doing it on purpose. I think maybe in some ways it's a little bit more insulting to like not even hit him hard, you, you know, just kind of be like, ah, you're not even worth my time. You just kind of club at him. You just kind of tap him a little bit. I don't know if that's not actually doing that or if he just kind of stinks at slaps sometimes, but I've never, you know, I've never really thought of the, uh, of the Tanahashi slaps. I'm kind of interested to, 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 to hear your reaction to it. Uh, I think like recently he's gotten way better at like just laying them in, but I do think there's a point where like maybe he's not, as confident or he's more cautious about hurting people with slaps like he's not like Jin Akiyama who just slapped the shit out of you fuck you he doesn't care well because he's a real asshole like I, I love Jun Akiyama but he's a fucking turd you know what I mean? he's, he's like, <laughs> like whereas I feel like Tanashi's probably a really nice guy he doesn't want to hurt anybody where Jun Akiyama's like I don't care man I gotta make this look good so or, or Minoru Suzuki he, he don't he don't give a fuck he's like <laughs> no <laughs> especially if you're younger than him like really younger right. than him he's gonna slap the shit out of you but I think Tanashi maybe cares more for his opponent so he doesn't go out and out try to like hurt you with his slaps but uh from this point uh naito is able to duck out of a splash attempt from tanahashi in the corner he hits a spinning ddt he follows up with a neck a neck breaker a drop kick to the head and then he goes for his flipping senton and then his jumping corner drop kick where you know he leaps over the top rope from the outside and into his opponent's face but this time Tanahashi is facing the corner, so Naito catches him in the back of the head, which must really suck. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he drives Tana's head into uh, his knee and goes for another dropkick to the back of the head. And then he applies this wacky lucha submission that targets the neck. It kind of looks like an inverted, I don't know, a Koji clutch at this point, Rich? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I forget, I forget what he was calling it at this time, but... Um... Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. It takes a little while to get kind of set up and get going. So I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like eventually, once he got it locked in, it, it was pretty cool. But it felt like it took a little while for him to kind of figure out how to put the move on. And that's why I said there was like weirdness with Naito at this time, where he just wasn't quite. And and like I get it, he's still kind of coming back from injury. He was out for almost a year, and there was times where like you would see like he'd have bursts where he was like really good and, and and looked awesome. But then you'd also have these moves where it's like he's thinking, he's trying to like kind of get through the move and, and, and stuff like that. So it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb on in, in this G one, especially when there were so many other good wrestlers. But, you know, once eventually he locked it on, it, it looked good. But, yeah, there was some some awkwardness uh, while he was trying to get it going. Yeah, Tanahashi is able to reverse his fortunes by blocking a kick from Naito's left leg and then delivering a huge drop kick to his damaged right knee. Uh, Naito rolls out to the floor. But, Rich, he's not safe out there because, as we will see, Tanahashi ascends to the top rope 
and delivers a fucking super high fly flow body block to Naito, who's on the floor. Holy shit, what a spot. I know. I remember. I, I remember it at the time, and as I was watching the match, I was like, "Oh, what happens here?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And, the, and they shot it so well too. I'll give all the credit to New Japan's, you know, cameramen and all that sort of stuff too, because they would shoot it from the ground level, looking behind Naito. So, so Tanahashi looks like he's coming from like a thousand feet in the air. Like he looks like he was where you and Chris were, you know, jumping down to do the crossbody on a Naito, and it's just like it just crashes. Just the noise, and you're like, "Oh." God, like, don't do that. Like, that just seems like it, it hurts a lot, but it's an awesome high-impact move, and it makes a lot of sense in the world that the Tanahashi would just be like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to take this guy out and put him down and, and and really put this thing away. And, and yeah, it was a great move at that time. And you know, he doesn't do it very often, thankfully, because I don't know if he could do it that much anymore. But uh, there was a time where he busted out maybe once every big match, and, and it always delivered, and it always got a big pop out of me. Yeah, definitely. Like, one of, like, and the thing is, it's so graceful. Like, you would think like maybe he's going to be extra cautious. No, he just does it, and it's it's just such a beautiful form that he has when when he does the high fly flow, whether it's to the to his opponent in the ring or <laughs> on the fucking floor. Uh, both men are down on the floor just for covering because it took it took you know a lot out of both Naito and Tanahashi. Uh, Tanahashi is able to get up first. He picks up Naito and throws him back into the ring. He then gives Naito a dragon screw leg whip, uh, like maybe the twentieth of the match. Uh, between this time between their between the ropes, he goes for a Texas clover leaf, and uh, which is blocked by Naito by grabbing the ropes. Uh, a second Texas clover leaf uh, is turned into a roll up, but uh, Tanahashi's sho- one shoulder is clearly not uh, touching the mat, but Red Shoes counts it anyways. And I'm just like, ah, Red Shoes, come on, do your job, man. <laughs> what a bum! Yeah. What a bum! He's probably thinking, how am I gonna, you know, incorporate my my uh, mime routine into this match? Uh, so he's not really paying attention. Uh, Tanahashi escapes a, a cradle only for Naito to waylay him with a big kick to the head. Uh, there's then fo- That's followed up by a big elbow exchange between the two that Tanahashi is able to win with an uppercut. Uh, Tanahashi then shoots Naito into the ropes. And I assume uh, Naito fucks up his flying forearm smash like reversal because neither man hit anything on each other at this point in the match. And I'm just like, uh, what was supposed to go on there? Right, and that's what I mean. Like, Naito was kind of not great at this time. Like, he's had... There was good moments, and this match is awesome, of course, but there was, like, weird moments where you're like, ah, dude, what are you trying to do, man? <laughs> like, what, like he was just kind of awkward at this time, and, like, now he's kind of figured it out, and he's kind of condensed a lot of what he does, but, yeah, there was a time where it was just, like, yeah, it was just a little weird and a little awkward, and, yeah, I don't know quite what they were going for there, so... So they go for another, like, uh, strike exchange, Tanahashi focusing on kicks to the knee, Naito is delivering elbows to the face. Uh, Naito at some point slaps the taste out of Tanahashi's mouth. Like you can see the split, the spit just fly out of there. Uh, Tanahashi, Tanahashi hits a straight jacket German for a one, a two, big kick out. Uh, he gets the sling blade but uh, misses uh, the high fly flow from this point. Uh, Naito hits a springboard drop kick to the back of the head and follows up with a German suplex for a two count of his own. Uh, he then goes for an enziguri. A flying forearm smash, which hits his time. Uh, a Gloria, he and he drops Tanahashi with this Gloria right on his fucking neck. I was like, oh my god, I hope Tanahashi is okay. Yeah, that was yeah that that was <laughs> a little bit of a neck drop that I don't think I like. You know, I like a little danger in my wrestling, but that maybe was a little too far. <laughs> yeah, I, thankfully he's he's okay. Uh, right. From from this point, uh, Naito goes to the top rope and misses the uh, startup press, which was his finisher at this time, and he lands on his right knee, playing into like the the you know the the kind of the damage, the psychology that's been done to his knee at this point. Uh, Tanahashi hits 
uh, two-seated dragon screw leg whips and puts on the Texas Cloverleaf again. And this time he just sits back. It's like, you know, Chris Jericho with his original version of the, the Lion Tamer. But uh, Naito gets to the ropes, thankfully. Uh, Tanahashi goes for another sling, ba- sling blade. I'm getting tongue-tied here. But uh, Naito catches him and rolls him into a version of the Kloji Clutch. Uh, thankfully, Tanahashi looks uh, like he's able to get his foot on the rope, even though he looks completely out of it at this point. And I can understand, Rich, it's a fucking furnace in Sumo Hall at this point, let me tell you. Well, these guys were, and it makes sense that you said that because I sort of noted too that these guys are just drenched in sweat. And I get it, they're wrestling, you know, it's like a 30 minute match. But yeah, knowing what the temperature was actually like and that you guys were exhausted up in, you know, the, the rafters, like you can see these guys were just like soaking wet, like just, just a disgusting amount of sweat, which is good. Like that means that, you know, it's a good match. But yeah, it makes it pretty tough. And it probably plays into a lot of like, you know, like you said, some moves maybe not being executed exactly how they should and some guys maybe slipping out or, or, or falling a little bit differently but yeah these guys look spent at this point but you know that's it's amazing we just say that because at this point tanahashi is placed on the top rope naito hits a frankensteiner but tanahashi rolls through that into the stars clash and he hits the stars clash on naito and then he goes for the high fly flow and then he goes for a second one but this one is blocked by naito's knees and the crowd is going nuts and i'm pretty sure I'm going nuts at this point. I, I found my second wind, my second, you know, hydration point in my body. Like, it, it's amazing, Rich. Like, the, the this point in the match. These guys, we say they're spent, but they just did this amazing right. reversal <laughs> sequence. Holy shit. Uh, they're better than us. Yeah, you and I would probably have given up by this point. But they, they were incredible for wrestlers, so they did not. But I kind of forgot about the Styles Clash uh uh, move here because I, I know that Tanashi would do it every so often, but obviously would kind of ramp it up a little bit once Styles kind of got into the company. But I totally forgot that this occurred at this point in the match. And it's awesome. Like he just hits it perfectly, and like you said, he does the, the high five flow to the back uh, of Naito. And 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 as we've seen in in Tanahashi Cannon, he doesn't believe that that's enough. He goes back and and it's 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 worked out sometimes, and it's it's definitely turned to, uh, the table some other times where he tries. You know, he revert. He 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 never feels like the high five flow to the back is nearly enough. He needs to do it to your your, your stomach to really feel like he's he's wrenched it in there. So. He he flips him over and tries to go for it again. And then, of course, it uh, doesn't work out. Naito puts his knee up. And, and Naito t- has to risk the knee that he's been selling the entire match, the knee that's just ravaged. The only thing that he can do is put that knee up to try to stop Tanahashi, and it works. He's got to sell the knee afterwards. But, uh, yeah, a really great turning point. Yeah, this is when the match just absolutely gets going uh, to an uh, unbelievable level. Yeah, uh, from this point, uh, Naito charges at uh, Tanahashi, but uh, he's, Tanahashi is able to catch him with a drop kick to the knee. Uh, but fr- from there, Naito is able to hit the sling blade himself and a dragon suplex for a big two and a half. So he's telling Tanahashi, fuck you, I'm going to use your own finishers on you. But he's obviously not as good as Tanahashi using these moves because he doesn't get the win. But he does hit a Gloria and a gorgeous Stardust Press from the top row for a one, two, and a three. And Naito wins his first G1 Climax in 26 minutes and 44 seconds, Rich. What are your overall thoughts about this amazing match? Oh, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I went like I was kind of doing my own ratings here. I went four and a qu- uh, four and a half with this one. Um, I went back and, and and looked. I didn't do the review. Joe Lanza did the review on the website, but he went four and a half as well uh, at that time. And and there was a little bit of issues with Naito selling. I would say I'm not a big like selling fetish guy, but there were some times where I'm like, all right, man, you got to do a little bit better. I think of of selling the knee, but but ultimately, no. I mean, this was just unbelievable match between these two guys. Tanahashi at his best. 
you know, Naito, when he got it ramped up in that finishing sequence in particular, he, he was great in, in, in that. And, and yeah, I loved it. Great back and forth action. You really like, even, even though I knew who was going to win and I know the result of it, watching it back, even all those years later, you still kind of get sucked into it. Like there was a point where Tanashi hit that high fly flow and I'm like, wait a minute, did Tanashi win this? Like he might actually, like maybe I'm wrong and, and history is, you know, incorrect. And I have Mandela effect where I think that Naito won this and Tanashi actually did, but no, it was, it was great back and forth action between these guys. And, and I loved it. I loved the viciousness of Tanahashi. I loved the, 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 the kind of the abuse of the dragon screws. There's times where, you know, you know, Mudo traditional dragon screw matches can get a little long in the tooth, but, but, you know, Tanahashi doing it with purpose because Naito's got the hurt knee really helped. And, and Naito kind of being the young hot shot that anytime he got an opportunity would start to do the high flying moves and, and try to ground Tanahashi and, 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 you know, get some, some good stuff going there. I mean, I really, yeah, I, I love the back and forth of this and I really like this match a lot. I'm, I'm so glad that this is the year I got to do uh, the cruel summer. Cause this is just an awesome, awesome match between these two guys. So at this point, let's talk about the the aftermath of the G1 Ridge because you you kind of alluded to like kind of the controversy, kind of the like the reaction to Naito's push at this point. So he would get the contract for the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom, but he wouldn't necessarily get the main event slot at Wrestle Kingdom the following year. He got the quote double main event slot, quote unquote. So yeah, people weren't around at this time. So you know, Naito's obviously getting the build towards Wrestle Kingdom as you know he's got the contract. He's he's going against Okada, who's the champion at this time. And they did. I forget what the month it was, but they did a, conf- a confrontation between the two. And for whatever reason, New Japan just freaked out. They were just like, I don't know. Maybe this isn't quite what we need here. I don't know if ticket. I forget if ticket sales were light or or what exactly was going on. But then they just inexplicably out of nowhere said, you know what? We're going to have a fan vote to decide what the main event is going to be. Is it going to be Nakamura and Tanahashi for the IC title? And those guys obviously were, were on a collision course for that. Or is it going to be Okada and Naito for the, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? And which is like really bizarre at the time too, because that's really setting him up to fail. Like, because Nakamura is a huge star at this time. Tanahashi's been a star forever. Like you said, even though he's he's like pe- people are kind of sick of him, maybe in the IWGP Heavyweight Title mix, he's still like he's still Tanahashi. You know, in 2013, he's still a big deal in that company. And then you have Okada, who's like a year into you know his run, and then Naito, who just came out of nowhere to win the G1. Like, of course they were gonna pick <laughs> Nakamura and Tanahashi, and then they picked Nakamura and Tanahashi, and and like it's fine. That was a great match, and, and Okada and Naito is a great match too. But it's just like. It, it, it's just so weird that that was kind of the quote unquote double main event and that the main event was the IC title and not the IWGP heavyweight championship. It seems so foreign these days for that not to be the case, but it was. And, and, and that I remember this fan vote just kind of coming out of nowhere and everybody just being like, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? But they, they freaked out. They just didn't think that it was quite ready to be the main event. But I remember this being like the biggest talk of, of the wrestling world at that time. Yeah. And like at the same time, concurrently, he was also going after the never championship which was held by Masato Tanaka at this point. So he would face Tanaka at Destruction in Kobe on September 29th. And he defeated Tanaka to not only win the Never title, but also to keep his title shot. I think this was the first year that they put up the contract. And then uh, subsequently on November 9th at Power Struggle in Osaka. Uh, uh, no, sorry, where he, he defeated Tanaka at November 9th. Uh, no, on October 14th. I'm getting my... Dates confuser, sorry. But he, he also defeated Yujiro Takahashi to keep his title shot against uh, Okada in the main event 
Can you imagine uh, a Masato Tanaka Okada Wrestle Kingdom main event? That would have been great. Yeah, I would. I would have been. I, I remember at the time being like, you know what? I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I'd be okay with it. But can you imagine a Yujiro Takahashi against Okada? Yeah, that I would have hated. That that I definitely would have hated. Yujiro wasn't. You know, he wasn't quite as like awful as he is now, but he was still pretty awful. So like, yeah, would have. I would have hated that uh, a, a lot. So I'm, I'm glad that that didn't uh, didn't quite happen. Yeah. So he did retain his title shot, but it was the you know the semi main event slot of the quote-unquote double main event as you were saying rich for the the wrestle kingdom of uh, january 4th 2014 uh yeah and he he failed in his bid to win the iwgp title at that time um i i have this feeling like he would subsequently win the iwgp title and hold it for like i, I forget like a month too and then he just dropped it back to whoever i feel that's one of the the most damaging things you could have done to naito i think you know, he's eventually going to win the IWGP title from Okada at the Tokyo Dome at, at Wrestle Kingdom. I, and I believe it's this coming year. I think this is what they're building towards. I think he's going to win the G1 in 2019. Mm-hmm. I agree. But I don't think, like, you don't, you don't really think about, like, that title win, like, of that he had before. It's just kind of been rendered meaningless with his push since. How do you feel about that title win that he, that he has had? Yeah, it, it, at the time, it felt like the real coronation of like, all right, Naito's ready to go, man. He's ready. And then, like you said, he just kind of lost it back. And then he's just kind of floating around. And then, obviously, he loses the Wrestle Kingdom match uh, two years ago. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't lo- – in retrospect, I would have maybe even never given him that that random title win because it would have made this year's feel that much more important. If It really would feel like this man has been starved to win this title. He's been you know looked over and passed over and lost the big moments, but now is the big time, the big coronation. And they might just do that too. They might just ignore like in Canada that whenever happened. But yeah, in retrospect, like I would have never done that because it just, like you said, nobody thinks about it. Nobody really notices it. Nobody really talks about it all that much. It just kind of occurred. And then it was over in like, yeah, a month or two. And it, it doesn't feel important in his history. It feels like the losses and the big moments that he's, he hasn't won are the more important parts of his story versus him actually winning it. And, and like, you know, in respect this is you know this match and him losing this was was a big deal at the time because it was like oh okay like a lot of us thought okay Naito's winning they're obviously putting the rocket ship on uh, the rocket pack on him but he didn't win and I think in in some ways it actually did help his character because he could always kind of look towards that um you know this 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 loss and 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 point to it as like hey you know it didn't happen but you know and and LIJ is kind of been brought up in a lot of that of in terms of hey they passed me over they put me in the double main event or whatever but people that don't know in like 2014 he just basically went back to doing never stuff and it was like yeah okay like he just he felt kind of like a failure at that time like he went to the wrestle kingdom main event quote quote main event and, and lost and then he just kind of went back to doing never stuff and it's like oh all right that's kind of the end of the naito thing they've ended up obviously re- repackaging him a little bit and he ended up becoming you know the star that he is today and so i think there's been a benefit to it but there's also been this sort of weirdness where there's kind of this feels random it feels like kind of out of nowhere and then like you said that title win kind of feels random too so so naito's career has had a little bit of those peaks and valleys and i hope you know eventually you know i'm, I'm a pretty big naito fan not as big as, as some people but you know pretty big naito fan and i i hope that this year's Russell Kingdom, he just wins wins that title and they can really kind of start telling that story now of him being the champion and him sort of you know becoming that top guy in the company because i think they've done enough they've done enough of the peaks and valleys and now it's time to just kind of let him have that run i completely agree with you i i do think you know new japan runs the risk of really alienating the sizable like lij naito fan base out there if he doesn't get the main event spot and he doesn't win the title from okada i do think i know a lot of people like both foreign fans and Japanese fans who are like, you know, they're ready to just like turn on, on New Japan and, and Ghetto's booking if he doesn't win this year. So we'll see what happens. I'm very curious. It's never a guarantee that Ghetto's going to do what 
you know, you fans expect to happen, whether it be the, the G1 or Wrestle Kingdom. So we'll see. But I, I have, I'm very, you know, confident in saying <laughs> can't that. lose again. No, you yeah, can't. Like... It, it would not make any sense. Like, you, you don't want to risk that merchandise money. It's so important, Rich. Like, you, you can't imagine the, you, you can't imagine because you see it on television. But seriously, like, you, you see outside of, of like wrestling shows. I, you know, today, I, I don't live in Tokyo. I live in a town called Numazu, which is about an hour away from Tokyo on the Shinkansen, the bullet train. And today, while I was out and about doing some errands, I saw three LIJ t-shirts, like, just randomly. Wow, LIJ t-shirt, LIJ t-shirt, LIJ t-shirt. He has permeated, like, like the public consciousness in Japan, like, very few wrestlers have in, in recent years, without even doing, like, celebrity... He doesn't, you know, he doesn't talk about cakes on Japanese television, you know, he doesn't go on variety shows or anything like that. He's just Naito, and he's become so popular... To the point, like he has like mainstream audience, like you know, recognition. So I gotta think they don't want to risk losing that. They gotta put the title on him at Wrestle Kingdom. Absolutely, no, they do. And 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 you speak to that. There was uh, Nitro did a shot for uh, AEW. I want to say last year. I want to say maybe maybe late two thousand. 17 he did it and like half the crowd was wearing lij shirts like <laughs> these are just you know you know american indie fans and then also yeah i i anytime i'm, I'm like walking around you know in downtown chicago or whatever i i always see one person in like an lij shirt i remember i was in chinatown a few weeks ago and there was a guy in an lij shirt he was like this like older chinese guy in an lij shirt and i was like i gotta talk i gotta figure out like what the background of this was and he was just like yeah no i love naito and i'm like all right cool man <laughs> like he didn't have like he didn't speak very good english and it was it was fun but it was fine like we had enough conversation about naito uh and lij but i just found it kind of funny it's like his 45 year old like random chinese guy in chicago's chinatown neighborhood wearing an lij shirt and i'm like i gotta i gotta find out about this and 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 yeah it was like there we go it's just like it speaks to it i just and, and like i had to talk to the guy you can't walk by the guy and just be like oh whatever who cares like I, I had to talk to him and, and, and see kind of the background and yeah like you said he permeates a culture that yeah, that people don't really I think quite appreciate uh, nearly enough so yeah he's got to win he has to like you can't you can't have him lose again well to provide interesting podcasting in, uh, yeah. in January oh, and February if he doesn't but uh, so that brings us to the end of the, uh, the G1 Climax finals portion of the show and Rich you, you've been listening so you know at this point we're doing the trivia are, are you ready yeah. for the trivia I don't think so, but uh, (laughs) I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. I'll I'll try to help you out as much as I can here. Uh, So in August of 2013, what is the number one song on the American uh, Billboard charts? Okay, so I'm trying to think back to this time in 2013. I'm going to... I think it's either... Okay, I have two songs that I'm thinking in my head that were like these summer songs that I just heard every goddamn second of the summer. Uh, Get Lucky by Daft Punk or Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. Come you, on. Are, you are correct. It's Blurred Lines by yes, Robin Thicke. I hated that song in 2013. Every bar, every event, every pool party. It was just like that song every moment of my life. I was like, God, I hate this song. Of course, it's Robin Thicke, Robin Thicke featuring T.I. And, and Pharrell. It's not just Robin Thicke. You gotta right. Some... Sorry, sorry. I should give those other guys credit because, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the number one album on the charts in August of 2013? Oh, dear God. Uh, I'm going to go with the Daft Punk. Here, I'll, I'll get, I used them in the last one, The whatever their album was at this time. I forget what it was called. It's not Daft Punk. It's, it's a female artist. She, I think she was in the Mickey Mouse Club, maybe. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, there wasn't a Britney Spears album at this time, was there? Uh, not, it's, not, it's neither Britney Spears nor Christina Aguilera. It's like a generation after them. Oh, there's another generation Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, God. Uh, or, or some uh, fucking Disney show. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Oh God, it's not. Well, Taylor Swift wasn't in any of that stuff. I don't think. Um, you've definitely found my, uh, <laughs> my <laughs> kids shows. Not. I, I. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna throw the towel in. I. I don't know. All right. It's an album called Stars Dance by Selena Gomez. Oh, Selena Gomez. You're right. Yeah. What was she in? Uh, High School Musical, right? Was that Selena Gomez? I don't know. You're probably, sure. yeah. Th- <laughs> go sure. With that. Let's go with it. That's right. It's High School Musical. I don't, I don't know. Uh, let's move on to movie. What's the number one movie at the box office in right. 2013? So, so we got summer, you know, obviously it's, it's August, it's summer. I feel like I'm going to go with double answer here again and see how it works. I remember World War Z being a big deal at this time. If not, my backup answer is Iron Man. It's neither. It's this. It. It's this film called Elysium, starring Matt Damon. Oh, that movie's terrible. What? <laughs> but it was. It was good enough to be the number one movie for. I think. Ah, uh, like, people are stupid. Yeah, people watch dumb movies. Yeah, that was a weird. Have you ever seen that movie? It's very bizarre. I, I don't know I, why Matt Damon did it. Like, I, I have not, but I'm. I'm interested in it because it has. Uh, I like Matt Damon. I think Jodie Foster's in that. Well, I like the director Neil Blomkamp. He's from uh, South Africa. He he made District Nine, which I'm a big fan of. So. I have not seen it yet. I, I might give it a chance, but it's kind of like on the, the back burner. It's weird because I like like post-apocalyptic movies and that's kind of what it is. And you're like, yeah, it's like an all-star cast. But I remember watching it and being like, what is this? Like, why did Matt Damon do this movie? Like, he was like, at this point, Matt Damon's huge. Like, why did you do this movie? You didn't have to do this. But I guess, you know, the check cleared. So he's, he's good. So uh, Alicia, man, damn. I, I would imagine he wanted to work with Blomkamp. Like, that's know, probably, maybe that's it. Yeah. He, he had a lot of buzz at the time. But that's OK. That's the pop culture uh, trivia out of the way rich it's okay now we're going to get to the wrestling trivia Oof, thank god that now it. the thing i actually consume as opposed to movies and <laughs> i don't watch any movies i've seen like two movies the last like two years so all right uh this is an easy one who is the iwgp heavyweight champion uh at on august 13th of that's gonna be okada because it should go okada yes he is the champion at this time who is the iwgp junior heavyweight champion on oh august man um was it Devitt at this time? I know he's in the G one, but he was he was still the junior champion. Yes, you're correct. He is. Nice. The, uh, he is the. What What did you feel about him being the junior champion and being in the G one? I kind of liked it. It's weird because we, we talked about it this year, obviously, with with, with guys like Will and, and and Shingo being in this year's G one and how it's going to kind of work out with them and how you protect them or whatnot. I like the idea of the the junior champion being in there, but it's always this weird balance of okay, he's a junior, so do you have him, you know, take falls to big heavyweights, or do you have him? beat most of the people that he should beat because he is still a champion. And this year we saw Devitt. I think it, I, I closed the window, but I think he had 10 points, right? Uh, in this year's G1, or the G1 that we're talking about here. So they protected him pretty well. And it was obvious that they were similar to what they're doing with Will and similar to what they're doing with Shingo is the long-term plan was for Devitt to kind of move up and not always be the junior uh, champion here. But um, yeah, it was, it was I, I enjoyed it because I love Prince, Prince Devitt at this time. So I thought it was kind of cool and interesting to have the junior guy in there uh, and, and have him get some big wins, too. And it was it was obviously they were building him up for something eventually. But of course, uh, didn't quite work because old Finn Balor's coming in a little bit. So, yeah, but it's OK. We got AJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that made up. For we, it. it was a good trade, a, a decent trade, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, OK, let's move on to All Japan Pro Wrestling. Who uh, are the All Japan World Tag team champions at this time, Rich. Oh, jeez. Uh, God. Uh, okay, now, you, who you, is... would you like a clue? Yeah, can you spot me? Yeah, just at uh, least... Uh... I'll give you one clue. These two had just jumped ship to All Japan uh, from another company that has a green mat. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's going to be tough now. I don't know who you're talking about. Whoever could that be? Uh, as far as the actual team, I'm blanking on who would have been the two guys that would have been in it. Well, I know 
Oh, well, they man. were the only two heavyweights in the in the, in the unit. <laughs> I guess I have blanking on it right now. It's tough. It, people don't know about the the stress that comes from this. Um, well, it was it was June, right? Yes, he's one of them. Oh, and then what was it? Was it Kanemaru? No, he wasn't. It was because Kanemaru was still a junior at that time, right? Yes, it's not Kanemaru. Damn it! Who who June and oh, he, so he, Akiyama's partner is back in Noah now. Oh, was it Shiozaki? It's Goshizaki. So. Oh, there we go. Okay, there we go. I should have gotten that easier. Yeah, they're, they're called, obviously, they're called Burning. This was right, like. I knew it was Burning, but I forget. Like, I, I guess I should have been obvious that that was the team that it was. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember this. When I, so I was at Sumo Hall when they showed up, like all five of them at that All Japan show where they showed up. I'm, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, whoa, shit, what, what the fuck's going on here? And for me, that like period of time, like before, like Mudo has the falling out and just leaves with you know, half the roster. That was at a very exciting time in All Japan. I really felt at that time, and I did audio about this, that, like, All Japan has this chance, this, like, honest-to-goodness chance of reaching a level, not n- not necessarily at the top with New Japan, but really close to underneath it with the, the amount of talent they had in the company at yeah. that time. Oh, I should have known this, because I remember this match, too, because I was a huge Get Wild fan at this time with, with Soya and, and Amori, and I think they, they beat them for the title, so I should have known that. I, I Now I feel bad. I... I apologize. It's okay. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, America. Who is the pro wrestling gorilla world champion at this? Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, god, pro wrestling gorilla champion. I was. Oh man, uh, 2013. Kevin Steen? Not not Kevin Steen. Oh, this per- this champion, I think he had one of the longest reigns with the title. He held it for a very very long time. Oh, is this is this during the Adam Cole like seven hundred day title reign that he had, where I think they just forgot that Adam Cole was the champion? Yes, it's Adam Cole. That is okay. He's the PWG champion at this time. Let's move on to WWE Land. Who is the NXT champion in two thousand thirteen? Oh, is this still this is Bo Dallas still right? Yes, correct. It's Bo Dallas. There it is. And our last one, Rich, is who is the WWE champion? Not the World Heavyweight Champion, but the proper. WWE champion. The WWE champion at this time, 2013. Uh, oh, God. So I think this is past the punk era. Oh, man. Who is the champion at this time in the summer of 2013? This is... Uh, did Randy Orton... Is this the year that Randy Orton beat uh, Daniel Bryan? Or is that 14? I forget now if that was the year where uh, it's, he it's cashed not, in it, and won. It's, it's not Randall K. Orton, no. Okay, so that's... I'm obviously incorrect then. Oh, man. Um... I don't know. I feel. I, I feel at this so point. Many. At this point in time, like if you pick like three particular names, you'd probably get it right. That's what I mean. Like I could give you every single you know champion in order lineage. All right, so I'm going to give you CM Punk, John Cena, Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan. Uh, it's one of those four. It's not, <laughs> yes, and it's not. It's not Randy Orton. <laughs> oh yeah, you told me already it wasn't Randy Orton, but I'm, I'm confident it's got to be Randy Orton. Um. I guess Cena? Yeah, it's Cena. It's John Cena. Okay. It's Cena beat, I, I think it, this is the year that Brian, I'm, now I'm kind of thinking about it. Brian beats Cena at SummerSlam, but SummerSlam hadn't happened yet. And it was later in, in, in August because we're, we're August 11th, right, is when we're done here. So, yeah, I think it would happen a little bit. So I wasn't far off because I'm, okay, yeah. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Randy Orton's going to win the title in seven days. So I'm, I'm going to get a little, give myself a little bit of credit here. Yeah, if you, like, it's not nowadays, if you said, like, in two years from now, who is the Universal Champion? If you said either Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar or Brock Lesnar, you, you, you probably have it right. <laughs> you probably got a 50% chance of being right. Uh, oh, God, this is the worst. This, I remember this summer, and I think this is a big reason why we started Voice of Wrestling talking about more New Japan, is because this really annoyed me this summer in WWE because you had you know Daniel Bryan win the title, 
Uh, then he got screwed over, and then he had to vacate the title. He won it again. Orton beat him again, and they were like, oh, this is during all the B-plus player stuff and all that sort of garbage. So it was pretty terrible at the time. So, yes, Japanese wrestling was much better. This yeah, it's, this this point in time is just a complete blur. I got to say, the last, I don't know, tw- 10 years of the WWE is just, I can't tell you what happened. I could recite to you, like, because I used to read the after mags, and I memorized the lineage from from like buddy rogers up until like oh i don't know like yokozuna i could tell you who the wwf champion was up to that point now i can't even tell you in the last year who's won either the universal title or the the wwe championship proper it's just wrestling in 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 mainstream american wrestling it's so hard to keep track of any of the champions the titles all the titles mean nothing now I know it stinks because yeah, I'm the same way. I could go back, like you know, and I think we did it on a, on a segment of Voice of Wrestling where where Joe wanted me to go from like 1991 all the way into like as deep as I could into the Attitude Era, and I got basically through like midway through 2000, and like with even the events, like I can give you the events where they wanted to, whereas now you're like, hey, who won it like five years ago? I'm like, I don't know, or or something like you know, it's like who cares? Like they just yeah, they're utterly meaningless. So it's uh, it, it does kind of stink there, but I, I think that's one of the the draws of like. Japanese pro wrestling in general, like if you with your major companies like New Japan, All Japan, uh, Noah, even like Dragon Gate to an extent, like you can you can pretty clearly like you know trace the lineage of a lot of these titles. Even in two thousand and nineteen, like it's it, they they don't just hand these out like these title reigns. They're they're right, special exactly. and they mean something. They they mean that the company has confidence in you to draw money to get you people talking about the company so like it still means something whereas wwe i feel is the the worst you know offender of this like where they don't care about titles anymore they just care about tv deals and it it hurts i think if you're a you know if you're a type of wrestling fan that wants to believe in wrestling if you want to believe in the idea of professional wrestling as as a sport still like it really hurts your your fandom in that regard because the wwe doesn't care about wrestling as a sport anymore Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that is one of the benefits of, uh, as you said, of um, you know Japanese wrestling in a lot of ways, and, and and particularly like New Japan and All Japan and those guys. Like they really respect that when a title change happens, that it's it's a big important deal. So that's why we that's why I gravitate towards it. So, but but I gotta say, Rich, you did better than most on both the pop culture and uh, the wrestling force. I'm shocked on the pop culture. I, I won't lie because I know I consume like no pop culture. <laughs> it's pretty much wrestling and sports. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised I did almost better on the pop culture than I did on the wrestling. But but you know, like very few people get any of the answers for the pop culture. So you know, kudos to you for that. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the end of the trivia. So, Rich, what? Please plug away. Where can more people find? Rich Krish. Okay, if you want more of me, uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. I do uh, occasional writing on there, but mostly kind of editing other people's work there at Voice Wrestling. But you should definitely check it out uh, because we got great stuff, as you said, coverage of of Dragon Gate, coverage of DDT, coverage of New Japan, coverage of of any promotion you can think of, All Japan, uh, anything we do, American Independence, WWE, all that sort of stuff is up there, AEW. Uh, of course, all at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, on the audio end, uh, I do the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast on the uh, Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Again, you can listen to me and Joe uh, on the flagship, but also if you want great audio for, about Dragon Gate, if you want great audio about all of Japanese uh, wrestling, if you want great audio on New Japan Pro Wrestling, if you want great audio on the British wrestling scene, the American scene, like we have all that covered uh, on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And then if you want even more of me, uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon is our uh, subscriber feed. We are doing, uh, Joe Lanza is doing daily G1 updates. Uh, as the G1's kind of progressing, so fun stuff there. Uh, I'm doing the Boys of Summer, as I said, the uh, the countdown through SummerSlam, and, and we got some other good stuff planned for the rest of the year as well. So yeah, it's about $5 to get in 
uh, on the Patreon tier, so it's pretty affordable. And and yeah, we're we're always putting up new content and new stuff up there. So a uh, uh, lot of rich creation. Hey, if you want even more, I got one more for you. If you are a basketball fan or want to become a basketball fan, the over and back classic NBA podcast, completely on the other end of the realm, uh, at over and back NBA on Twitter or over and pa- uh, over and back NBA.com. Uh, it's an NBA history podcast that I do with uh, Jason Mann, who used to re- uh, do the WrestleSpective podcast. People, old school wrestling podcast listeners might remember uh, that. So we just kind of cover uh, different topics about basketball history uh, every every few weeks or so. We don't do it every single week. We're obviously almost kind of every other week at this point. But uh, it's pretty fun. It's a good way to get away from uh, <laughs> from wrestling a little bit. But uh, can't get away from recording podcasts or audio. So that's that's essentially my life at this point. So uh, good stuff there. But uh, WH, thank you so much for having me on this. I'm I'm really excited. I couldn't wait. Uh, to get on here and when you asked I was like yeah absolutely let's do it I I, I I was so excited to be a part of this and it's a great series and 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 I'm real excited to listen to all the other episodes uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your obviously very busy schedule to uh, do the show with me Rich uh, a big supporter of yourself and Joe Lanza and the entirety of Voices Wrestling I am a proud subscriber to the Patreon the five dollar tier you know, it's, I don't know why people would just go for the one or what's it, $1, $2 tier. There's the $1 and the, there's a $2 tier, but hey, some people do, but yeah. you know, we, we always tell them you're dumb. Don't do that. Okay. Just go five. It's like $3 more. It's like you're giving up <laughs> what? Like a, two stickers bars or whatever the fuck it costs in America these days. But there you go. Anyways, I'm a proud supporter. Please support VoicesWrestling.com, whether by downloading their podcast or supporting them on Patreon. For Rich Critch, my name is WH Park. I thank all the listeners for... Uh, sticking with us throughout the entirety of this review and I will see everyone on the next episode. Bye. Bye.